You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! I know Kung Fu. Show me. I want you to do me a favor. Yeah, sure. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. What? I want you to hit me as hard as you can. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Welcome to the John Weldon Show. All right, we're going to move over into our topic of discussion. And I'm going to share a concept and then just open it up to where we can talk about it. So we'll have time to get into it. But what I want to talk about is the three dimensions of a leader. And I got three words there, Clint, Curly, and Gandhi. Now, of course, the example ultimately is Jesus, but I'm going to give you three stereotypes that kind of embody different pieces, but then to actually see that he carries all three at a really high level, probably the highest level, and that's what we're moving toward. But to see the three dynamics that are at play here, when I say Clint, I'm talking about Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. Go ahead, make my day, right? You know, you got the, the intense, and you can fill it in. You could say Jason Statham, you could say Bruce Willis, you, you know, pick whichever intense, badass, hero kind of guy you want to put in that place. But Clint Eastwood has kind of that classic, gritty, no-nonsense approach. And so what we have there, the word to embody that is ruthless ruthless there's the clint side and that clint side is we'll, we'll come back to it. I'll, I'll paint all three pictures and then and then we'll dig into it the second one is curly now this might be before some of our time or maybe you didn't ever watch it but the classic three stooges now if you remember back you always had mo who was very intense and he was the one hitting everybody and angry and smacking them around but curly he's just kind of the jolly like you know always making mistakes and never took anything personal never got upset and he just he was just the nice nicest of the three and curly the word for that is egoless without ego egoless it's not to say that you don't have an ego, because we all have an ego. It's part of who you are as a person. But when you say uh, somebody's in their ego, it means they're taking something personal. So they're taking what somebody's saying or doing as a personal hurt or offense, or it's poking their button or their trigger. Whereas Curly, he took nothing personally. He took no offense at anything ever. I, I think of like a more modern, maybe modern version of it would be like, um, oh, I can't remember the exact name, but Jim Carrey in Dumb and Dumber. He was just too egoless to even take offense at anything. The guy is just, ah, you know, so you're saying there's still a chance after she's like, in 10 million years, I wouldn't go out with you. So you're saying there's a chance, <laughs> like, took nothing personal, that, that level of egoless. And then the third is Gandhi. And Gandhi, of, you could use Mother Teresa, you could use uh, Martin Luther King Jr. The idea of compassion, that 
you know, here you have Gandhi who has literally changed a nation of a billion people by teaching them not to fight and go to war against their colonist uh, oppressors, but to do nonviolent resistance, to love your enemies. He's, he's done this incredible work through a nonviolent, compassionate approach that sees we're human, they're human, and he pushes against until he causes that change. So you have these three dynamics, Clint Eastwood, Curley, and Gandhi, or ruthless, compassionate, egoless, or egoless, compassionate. Ruthless, egoless, compassionate. Now, when you actually start to apply that and see, okay, are these Christ-like examples? Uh, do, we see, do we see this? Well, ruthless, he says, get behind me, Satan. When Peter is trying to say, you're not going to go to the cross and all that. And he says, you are not mindful of the things of God. You're mindful of the things of man, or basically you're being selfish. And get behind me, Satan. At the uh, Last Supper, when Peter won't let him wash his feet, and he says, you're going to have no part with me. After three and a half years, Peter's about to get himself kicked out. That's crazy, but that's ruthless leadership. How long must I bear with you? He says after he has to calm the storm and they're faithless. How many times does he say faithless generation? And he's calling them out like that. There's the all of Matthew 23, where he says, woe to you snakes, vipers, uh, whitewashed tombs. Um, we have the, the going through the temple with the whip and clearing house and flipping tables. Uh, we have, we, you know, one I found recently is where, where he says to Peter, I think it's in Matthew 15, he says to him, are you so dull? And the actual translation of the word dull is the same root word as stupid. And he's like, are you stupid, Peter? And I wish, I wish that translation were in there, um, but that, that is a part of him. And that's probably, I'll say as a white American evangelical Christian, that is probably the most difficult part of Jesus. We don't see that in our churches, our leadership, our teachings, our approach. And so that's probably the weakest of the three as far as how we we lead and it's probably the hardest uh so instead our ministries end up being very nice instead of at times where they need to be ruthless that clint component does need to be be there that side of jesus i mean we hear people say well look you know love and judgment don't go together mm. No, they do go together. We see it in Jesus. We see him rightly judging. We don't see him being judgmental all the time. It's not like he's walking around with an attitude, bad attitude and a chip on his shoulder, but he does make judgment calls and speak things very clearly, very directly all the time. And so uh, there is that ruthless side to him. And then compassionate. I mean, that's probably the most obvious, but I think of the time where 
uh, the crowd came out and Jesus actually gets the disciples on the boat, sends them across the water without him because he says he was moved with compassion. And he literally, he was moved with compassion, took his disciples and said, you guys go take a break and send them across on the boat without him. But he stayed because of he being moved with compassion. And many times that we see that phrase, he was moved with compassion and he prayed and healed many there. Um, we see that over and over again. When he's moved with compassion, there's, there's often um, miracle ministry that follows. And then the third, we have the, uh, a good example of this would be the rich young ruler. Now, the rich young ruler story might sound ruthless, but I don't actually think it was. I think what was happening in that situation was he threw out a, an option to him. Yeah, okay, you, have, you, you say you've followed all the laws since you were a child. Great. Now, just go sell everything and come follow me. He's throwing him out an option, even though this kid has just said something crazy. You've literally, you've followed all the laws perfectly since you were a child. Maybe he had, maybe he hadn't. Maybe he's full of hot air. Maybe he's just super arrogant. He's a rich young ruler. Maybe he's just an arrogant kid. And so he throws out to him a challenge and then he holds the line and he lets him choose. And when he chooses to walk away and he's sad and he's downcast, Jesus doesn't take that personally as a rejection. Now, some historians actually say that that might've actually been Joseph of Arimathea who later buys the tomb, puts Jesus in his, or puts Jesus in his own tomb. So it might've actually been him. It might be him that turned later. That's what some church traditions teach. Um, but regardless, in that moment, Jesus doesn't take a personal offense at him walking away, which a lot of us uh, might be challenged with the idea of rejection in that moment. Like, okay, he, he seems really eager and he wants, and then we throw out a challenge and he walks away and Jesus doesn't, doesn't get wrapped up in whether he stays or whether he goes. He's not emotionally entangled with that. Even, even where he would say to, uh, uh, say with Pilate, when he's talking back and forth about what is truth, and he's having this whole back and forth with him, here he doesn't get wrapped up in his ego. He just has this exchange of conversation. He's like, I could, I could take your life. I could let you go. I, could, I have all this power over you. And he says, not, he either says nothing or and in some places he talks about he um, he talks about I'm the one who has power to lay down my life or to pick it up again. And he knows I'm not going to get all wrapped up in this ego battle with this other person. So with those three, there comes dynamics where you're leading in whatever realm you're leading and there's going to be days that you're talking with somebody and you've been having the same conversation with them so many times you said it over and over they're not listening they're not getting it 
And maybe you actually need to be more direct. Maybe you need to go into Clint and just listen. Here's the issue. You got to deal with it. Well, no, listen, we've talked about it 12 times and you either do it or you don't do it. But I'm done having the same conversation with you. Okay. And you let them go. And maybe they get all upset and angry and offended. And you got to switch into Curly. Listen, I'm not saying it because of anything about me. I'm actually drawing the line for you. This is for your good. I'm not, I'm not saying it because I'm upset at you. I'm saying this because it's, it's to benefit you. And you do with it whatever you want. You know, if you want to you wanna get on the internet and tell everybody I'm a jerk, you do it. Do what you got to do. But I care about you enough to tell you the truth. Oh, okay. All right. Whatever. And your ego's not wrapped up in it. And there's other days where you might just need to listen and give somebody an hour to just all their stuff. And that's you showing up with the compassion, the compassion to let it out and share and feel safe. And a lot of these, they go together. There's times, see, when you operate in Clint, you're actually taking a withdrawal of trust because you're, they may trust you, uh, you know, let's say they trust you $10 worth and you're coming in and saying, I'm about to talk to you in a way that's going to take $7 out of the bank account. But if you actually trust me enough, listen to what I'm saying, it'll put the $7 back in and might increase it to $20 because you actually get the message you need to get to compound this thing in your life to actually grow it's like you could keep going to the gym with the same personal trainer who has you do the same 20 push-ups every single week or one week they say you're going to do 40 push-ups and you're not leaving until you do 40 push-ups now they're being clint and you don't like it and you're angry at them that week but you come back the next week going i actually made progress because i got challenged thank you so much and you actually are more thankful in the long term that they spanked you in the short term. So there's that, that element. But when you step into Clint, there has to be enough trust for it to work. And sometimes, you know, you can bottom out the account if you're not aware. So you don't want to just be in one of these modes all the time. You build more trust when you're operating in the Gandhi mode of compassion and people are feeling heard and valued and loved and that, that trust level is coming up. And then sometimes you need to switch modes so that they're not just always expecting that element from you. Your leadership has to have all three elements. So now that we've laid out the concept, I wanna open it up. You can use the raise hand button or you can just raise your hand either way. and I want, to, I want us to process a little bit. Which one's hardest for you? Which one are you strong with? Where do you need to develop? What, why is one so easy for you? Do you have a mean parent? So maybe you're good at being Clint? I don't know. I'm just saying that as a joke. But maybe there's something that's more natural for you. Maybe there's something that's really challenging for you. 
maybe there's one that you you know I, I need to grow in this area. Let's let's talk about it. I think I'll get started. Um, the uh, the one part the one that I have the hardest uh, time will be with the clean is with mode, and that's mostly because I have had abusive leadership in the church in the past, yeah. and um, the way that um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, I was in this chapter in my life where I was about to leave the church. Uh, I was a worship leader in a church of about 200. And um, it, my pastor did something to me that I was done. I was finished with it. And he was very, um, very difficult to deal with. So what it turned out is that I talked to a mentor of mine that gave me a book by Gene Edwards that is called A Tale of Three Kings. And the thesis of the book for me was when um, poetically it was being mentioned that God was using the soul of the flesh to cut out this internal soul or the internal tyrant king that David had. And so I took like, okay, so I'm having abusive leaders so that I will not become one later. So that made me be a gentle leader in which I create families instead of creating organizations everywhere I have been. But then when it comes to the point where I have to be strong and direct and confront a situation, even to protect my own, I, I find myself retracting, not, not being direct enough, always going around the bush and being very political or, or an ambassador type of person, trying to always find the, the peaceful option. And I, I, I don't know what I would do if it comes a point where I had to become more uh, violent per se. That's, that's very insightful, Job. So a thought that I'll add there is when it seemed like those unhealthy leaders, controlling leaders, abusive leaders seemed like Clint Eastwood, they actually weren't being Clint Eastwood. And it's important to divide the two because there's a good Clint like what we see with the ruthless in the side of Jesus and those examples that we used. And then there's a difference between that versus being controlling and abusive and toxic leaders. And so when, when we're looking for the dividing line, a lot of it has to do with the ego. So when, it, when we're looking at the, the dividing line really is, am I being Clint for me, because it's my personality and I want to get my way, or am I being Clint because Job needs me to be Clint to him for his best right now? Does Job need to be challenged like that? When, when Jonathan says, hey, I need you to do something to clean up being late, well, I'm always late. It's okay. I'm a late person. And, da, 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 da. and I go, no, no, no. This is what we're doing here. And I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for each of us to step up because as we learn about integrity and step into it, it benefits your own life. So I draw that line and challenge that's different than I'm doing it because I have to control people and it feeds my ego. So looking at that dividing line, just, just something to start processing uh, as you look at it and go, okay, these are the experiences I've had. 
that's not actually Clint. It sounds or feels like it in some ways, but it's actually um, somebody doing it for their own self-interest. I'll say, I'll say it another way. The, there's a very small difference between manipulation and leadership. Extremely fine line. Because in both cases, you're trying to get other people to do something. Whether John Maxwell has a great quote about it. Uh, he uses, instead of leadership, he uses the word influence. That the, the fine line between manipulation and influence is, am I doing it for my benefit or am I doing it for our benefit? So it's the idea of, am I doing it just self-serving? That's manipulation. Am I doing it for win-win? It can be for my benefit, but it should also be for your benefit. It's win-win. That's where it's influence and good leadership. But when it's just self-serving, that's manipulation in the sense that we think of toxic manipulation. So, um, makes the good, good input, good input. Uh, Rebecca, raised your hand. You're up next. Yeah, so I was thinking this through. I'm a pretty decent bounce of like Clinton, Gandhi. I'm a little weaker on the curly side of like, just like never, ever having anything personal, you know, because I do take my mission personally. But I, I would say this, I've noticed in the church at large, because there has been this like history of spiritual, I had spiritual abuse by leaders in my past. I mean, it's just very prevalent. So I think that they've almost countered it with, I really need to be coddled and I need to be allowed to be a little pansy, like not to have emotional strength. Right. So I'll find this where they want all Gandhi all the time. And then when there is this confrontation, I think I need to be better at going, you know, like, like Jesus is like, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Hey, do you want to go too? I need to be better at like releasing them and letting them do that. Like the people in my, my main core group though, they see me as a client, like, I'm going to call out, like, you're believing a lie. You, you, you got to stretch your mindset, you know, like, let's grow, let's grow, let's grow. Uh, but then I got to make sure that there's enough money in the bank for like, uh, people that have that they're, there's like, I feel like it's like, I'm seeing like in the humane society, when you've had a wounded animal, they're just like, eat, you know, just right away. And they're so scared all the time that I think that it's really gotta be this like careful, uh, who's wounded, who's it's so touchy in the church realm today. Now in my coaching business, it's not that I'm, I literally just call them out. Let's take responsibility. Let's take ownership. Let's move on. But they're also invested, you know, they're paying 5,000 for my program. They're not coming in as like, here, serve me. So it's so interesting, like the two different worlds and the type of leader that I need to be in those worlds. You know what I'm saying? Yes, it's very true. It's very yeah. true. I, I think about it, it same scenario at, at church. If I'd say something in a Clint manner to somebody, it's like I cut their head off. And if you, if you say, if I say it to somebody in Bulletproof Husband, they're like, thanks, man. I needed to hear it like that. You're right. I am being a whatever, you know, and they just like, thank you. Can I have another? Yeah. So it's, yeah, it different worlds. And I think 
and as I was saying earlier, and I'm sure you're in the same world, the white American evangelical world, it's, it's like, it's the soft, white, woke reality. Like the, the political wokeness has gotten in there so much that to say anything definitive or this is the truth, there's, it's not your truth. There's truth and there's everybody's opinion and there, this is the truth. And everything else, you might come close, but you're probably wrong at least 1%. And they're just, we can't hear it. Like it's, it's become alien. So, but let's circle back. You talked about Curly being the hardest for you. So in that area, can you think of an example where, where you knew that you needed to operate in that one, but you didn't, or you felt it like, um, you said something and then this person walked away and it hurt or like what, what comes to mind when you think of that? Yeah, I, I've actually examined it a lot over the last four years is that like, if you're to say I have a certain love language, it would be quality time. And so I realized that like, as I lead a family as a group of people uh, that I tend to, well, I brought them too close, like stupidly too close to my heart. I learned a lot of lessons in that. But what I realize is it's really hard to release a family member, you know, like, hey, I'm walking away, I'm leaving. And I, I can be personally like, it can, it can be challenging to me to just accept that walking away, especially when, when I know that it's because they don't want to be called higher or they don't want to think differently. And they, they're actually walking away for like the wrong reason. It's just, it's, it's, it'll get my heart in a way that I have to like grieve and, and figure that out, you know? That's a great example. So in that example, the question to ask to go further into the curly piece of it is, what does it mean about me that they're walking away? Because that's where it's hitting. They walk away and you go, ugh, I'm not good enough, I failed, I'm, I lost them, I'm not lovable, I'm, you know, and whatever those things are, that's what's getting in the way of the ego lifts. Like in the moment where he's gonna tell Peter, hey, if you don't let me wash your feet after three and a half years, you're out. Like, how, how could you, how could you kick Peter out at the last supper? Like that's, but, he's not wrapped up in it because he knows this, this isn't about me. Peter needs to be challenged hard and I'm not going to take it personal if he doesn't let me wash his feet. And so that, yeah. So dig in with that question and you'll find what those areas are that are holding you back from that, from that egoless approach that says, this is it's not about me. This is not you walking away is not about me. And yeah. Thank you. I'm definitely going to wrestle with that this week. That's a good question. Good work, Rebecca. Good observation. Yeah, Justin. Yeah. Um, the thing I was thinking about, you know, is um, that the thing that was getting me about this, what you're talking about with Curly and Gandhi and is that I can be those things that I, it's a choice, um, you know, because a lot of times from, 
my experience was, you know, you have to be, it's like the spirit of the Lord hits you. And then you feel like, you know, you feel like Clint Eastwood. Then you, then it's the spirit of the Lord. You feel like, you know, Curly, that divine compassion. And then, you know, then Gandhi, you know, and that's what was hitting me. And also the fact that Jesus, like he, he only did what he saw his father doing. He only spoke what he heard his father saying. So these things were divinely influenced in his life, you know, and that's, that's the, that, that mixture there, you know, of knowing, you know, this, I can't do that. I can't act like that. I can make those choices, but at the same time, I don't want to uh, be presumptuous about that being secure in that. I don't know how to, to say that, but um, that's something that's really hitting me in this. Great. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So being intentional is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I can be, you know, like Clint when I need to be and it's okay, you know, and I can't be like Curly and I can't be like Gandhi when I need to be, you know, and um, uh, yeah, that, cause that's been something I've been very confrontational lately. Uh, been finding myself being very confrontational and most of the confrontation has not gone good as far as for me, as far as for the ministry. And because of the changes in our theology and the things that we're doing and I'm being exposed to, it's just causing confrontation and there's just no way around it. Uh, so, Gotcha. And that, that sounds similar to say what Job was talking about, what they're up against and their challenges and um, ministry and shifting and holding the line and yeah, yeah. and that that yeah. does require a lot of Clint it does require a lot of Gandhi as well because as people are flailing and they're struggling and you're saying that there's no rapture that women are allowed <laughs> to teach or you know whatever whatever their thing is that they're flailing about and you yeah. know okay you know tell me I want to hear your I want to hear your thoughts and let them let them yeah. it all out and you go wow thank you so much for sharing that yeah. <laughs> and then that's it. And you go forward with Clint and do what you're supposed to do. But they've been heard. That doesn't change anything. They ju you just made them feel heard and you move forward. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the dynamic. I think so often we, if we get our ego wrapped up in it, I listen to you and then I have to respond. Well, I agree or I disagree or right. we're not going to do that or we are going to do that instead of just you know, listen, thank you for sharing, Right. move forward regardless with what I'm actually right. supposed to be doing. And right, not letting it affect my ego. Yeah, yeah, and not for feeling required to, you know, compromise, meet them in the middle, make them feel right. like you're going to adjust what you're doing because of what they said. So the compassionate listening and then the ruthless moving forward regardless. And mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, because it's not always that you have to be direct in your words. Sometimes it's just the make my day and you hold the line. Yeah. <laughs> just move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Smile a lot and just say, okay, thank you for sharing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it could be a lot of nodding. Yeah. It's <laughs> good, Justin. That's good. I saw another hand. Who, who wanted to go? Was that Glenn? Ah, yes. you, you wave like this, so I can't always tell. Yeah, I, I never know where to where the camera no, is. Wave like this for me. 
There we go. Yeah. Sorry, Glenn. So, so this is this is really good here. Um, it, I never looked at Christ. I see Christ, but I never looked at him like this. And it's kind of like trying on a new pair of glasses yeah. and developing your 2020 vision of who Christ is. You see the compassionate side, but you never really give the name to the Clint and the Curly side. And my cup runs over with the compassionate, but I always have had problems with Curly because I'm sensitive in that area. And I didn't know that the two tied in, that the Curly ties in with the Clint. Yeah. And so when a leader come at you in the Clint mode, your Curly mode kind of gets sensitive because you can't be Clint in your mode. So it's hard for you to deal with somebody else being clean in their mode because your cup is running over with the compassionate side. Mm. And so this has helped me to say, well, I can be Clint and I can listen to someone being Clint and not take it so sensitive and realize there is a true balance, a three-dimensional character of Christ. Because now you're giving those characteristics some names now I can see the influence and how the, it should balance out. It, it, it should be a balance there. But the, the, the thing that I think a lot of people may overlook is that you still have to have a heart of the father. And you're striving for that maturity. And like you said the, the other week, that our main goal is to help others get to that uh, stage of maturity. So I like this. This is helping me really, really much. Excellent. Excellent. And remember, remember what we talked about with, uh, with Job as well, uh, about not everybody who seems like Clint Eastwood is actually Clint. They might be just totally wrapped up in their own trigger. They might think this is my personality. And it's yeah. like it's a giant wound. You're just being a jerk. And it might not be versus I'm going to be strong and direct because it's what's best to help this other person which is always a piece behind that ruthless, the Christ-like ruthless. Um, but we have a tendency to take those personalities as something toxic. And that's just because true. that's because they are have a little aggression in that way that means that they're toxic. But it's just like we, we have a tendency to lump them over real quick into, well, he's, he's being toxic. And that's not true. Yes. And for you and any anyone else that's connecting with that, I would recommend going back and rereading through Hebrews 12, where it talks about every father disciplines the sons that he loves. And so there's that part is really feels more like Clint than Curly or, or uh, Gandhi at times to have that fatherly relationship where he does discipline his children. And so there is, there is that piece that we forget about because even, uh, you know, these pictures are not just for as a leader, but it can also be in your marriage, how you are as a parent, how you see the father toward you. All of these dynamics are still at play that he, he's ruthless, he's compassionate and he's egoless. You know, if you come to God in prayer and you're like, splashing yeah. everywhere and spilling and screaming and all the stuff that we do yeah he doesn't take it personal he knows it's our issue and he's just there to listen and care and love us and he's not taking it personal he's showing up with compassion 
And then he might say at the end of it something maybe ruthless. Maybe you need to hear <laughs> Maybe there's a sword that goes through you. Um, but there's, there's that balance of all three that we see in our relationship. And uh, yeah, excellent, Glenn, excellent. We still have a few minutes. Let's, let's get a couple more. Hector. Hey, I want to share something. This, first of all, um, this conversation was so good, so fruitful, uh, getting real juicy too. Glenn, I love what you shared. Um, you echoed my sentiments exactly. But, you know, as, as you all were talking about the, uh, the three, uh, what did you call these? The three what of leadership? Dynamics. The three dynamics of leadership. Or dimensions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, dimensions. Um, I had a flashback and I, rem I remember marriage counseling a young couple that were going to get married. And I spent three hours with them in my dining room and they were fighting. It was her fault. It was his fault. And I was there going, well, maybe you don't understand. Maybe what he's saying is no. And I'm in the middle trying to soften all the blows. And my wife was in the kitchen making lunch. And I'll never forget after three hours, my wife walked in who has more her Clint Eastwood side refined. She walked in and she was like, you guys even need, are you guys even sure you need to get married? <laughs> and that just brought, that brought a holy hush in the room. And you know what? They never got married. <laughs> and I learned such a lesson from that. I was so much in my compassion trying to help so much that I didn't help. And what they needed was getting right to the point. And that was such a, a lesson for me. And I think for me, uh, I know that the Clint side is the side that I need to focus on more. Although I think for me, the reason why it's been actually a little scary place is that I've not seen it modeled well. And we've already talked about it in this conversation. I've not seen it modeled well. I don't like bullies. And I think uh, when I've seen people being overly aggressive in the church, it's brought out the Clint Eastwood that I crucified on the cross with Christ, that old Clint Eastwood. Yep. It's brought that guy out. And I'm like, no, not that guy. We don't want him. Uh, we want the healthy balance of Clint. So I think that's for sure what I'm focusing on in this conversation um, to, to, to understand that there is there can be fruit from that. And that is necessary. So, mm. Hector, I'll, I'll just ask, because I know so Hector's from Rochester, New York. We go way back and we would get together and have breakfasts and lunches and coffees and all of a that. A New Yorker. It was, what's that? A New Yorker. That's good to know. That's right. I know he doesn't sound like a Brooklyn or something, but he's, yeah, Rochester, yeah. kind of accentless. So <laughs> the, uh, in our experience of getting together, Hector, can you think of times where I brought Clint in our interactions. Okay, so I think at the time I didn't realize Clint was coming out, but now that you're teaching this, uh -huh. now that I'm looking back, Jonathan brought the Clint several times uh, and, and challenged me in some areas. And, you know, I, I, you know and, and really, I didn't feel threatened by it. I didn't feel hurt by it. Um, none of that stuff. It didn't resurrect old Clint that needs to die on the cross. Um, but it was very challenging and it was very good. And I think um, part of the reason why I'm here today is because of those conversations that we had and the healthy challenges. So yeah, uh, correction, I did see it modeled. I just didn't realize that's what you were doing. And, and that's my point is that it, it can come across more gentle than we realize. Ah, it's like, I see. you know, I, I remember hearing uh, Dennis Kramer used to say uh, that he would, he would correct in his prophetic words when he was directing people, but you wouldn't know you had been corrected or spanked by the Lord until like a week later when you <laughs> realize like, 
wait a minute. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's that, and that's the way the Lord even directs us, corrects us, things like that. And uh, yeah, I think of like Elijah in the cave, he's just killed all the prophets of Baal. And at first, what is it? Take a nap. Here's some food. Like he starts with the compassionate side and then he's like, you think you're the only prophet? I got 7,000 other guys right over here. Like, he just bam, you know, but he starts with, let's get a nap. Let's get some food. Let's get this built back up. And then I can bring, bring some directive Clint. And, uh, you know, so there's, there's all of that, but awesome. Great. Well, we are at our time right here. And I wanted to request this. This was so much fun. Would you guys be, would you guys be willing for me to take the clip of the audio just from the teaching and the, this interaction here at the end and put it on the podcast. Is there any objection to that? I didn't use anyone's last names. I don't know if privacy concerns, but if there's any objection, I won't, no worries. But if you're open to it, I think this could really benefit some other people. I would be. Well, you did, you did reveal my location, so. Actor in Rochester. <laughs> I'm kidding. He's the I'm only kidding. one. In, yeah. <laughs> it's true. I would be elated, though. That was that would be great. Okay. Yeah, that's great. I think it's so teachable, but, so helpful. People are going to see themselves a lot in it. That's great. Wonderful. Well, I'll give it. I'll give it a, a countdown: five, four, three. Any objections? two, one. Okay, we're good. I will, I'll probably clip this if, if I can technologically figure out how to do that and share it on the podcast to benefit some other people. Yeah, it would be nice to see how, what you come up with, Jonathan. Yeah. You're pretty good at this stuff. Yeah, so. I'm a one-man army nowadays. So. <laughs> uh, you can, uh, so, uh, Zoom should allow you to download only the audio of the of the event, and then you can transport it to iMovie, no, GarageBand, cut it right there, and then put it on um, where you're using Anchor for the podcast. Yeah. Or, yep. Yeah, you sh it should be pretty easy. You just saved me half an hour of YouTubing how-to tutorials. So <laughs> thanks, Joe. <laughs> No, that, that's probably what I'll do. That's probably what I'll do. And anything else before we close out? Anyone have anything they need or are we, we good for this week? Thank you guys. As far as homework, just a recap, speak with your partner, proactively work on your integrity and confidence and step up your weakest dementia. So, no, I'm not the 